This is Behold, a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. Hey, it's Dan here. Sean and I are both really excited to have you join us for this week's podcast. Our guests um, today are going to be joining us via Zoom from a different part of the world. And we're really excited for uh, just a robust conversation. We do apologize for the poor audio quality. We recorded it over Zoom. And um, we just ask you to bear with us because there's some great content in there. So buckle up, get comfortable, and uh, welcome to the Behold Podcast. It's going to be a great time. We'll see if I can say it right. Jindobre. Is that right? Jindobre. Jindobre. Well, there's a little bit of a giveaway. They'll keep going. Bit of a giveaway as far as who is on the Behold podcast with us today. This is Sean and Dan, as usual. And as you can hear in the background, thanks to the wonders of the interwebs all the way across the big ocean, Mr. and Mrs. Pat and Sheila Smith. Good evening. That's fantastic. You're, you guys are really picking up the, the, the local dialect. I'm very impressed. Ukraine, Polish, and Hungarian. Wow. Okay. I'm very impressed. And let me just say how, uh, how it fills my heart with joy to see your smiling faces. We've really missed having you guys around here. We've been praying like crazy for you. And we've just uh, been hearing all kinds of great reports kind of here and there. And, um, yeah, what a blessing it is to have you guys with us on the podcast. Um, for those that maybe aren't super aware of what Pat and Sheila have been up to um, these past few months, why don't you guys just give us give us a little overview of your ministry in Eastern Europe and how God's been using you uh, recently? Yeah, it's been broken up into blocks of of weeks. Uh, we started out here in Ukraine back in August uh, for a week with uh, one church with our partner, Sergey, another week with our partners, the New Life Church, and then back to uh, Kutno, where we've been a few times over the last uh, year, and then up to Gdansk, which is a little bit of a new area for us. Uh, working and encouraging with uh, some house churches up there, and then down to church partners that you may have read on the missionary webpage from BBC, the Denkos and the uh, Bodais. And then we're finishing up our last week here in Kiev, uh, and then we're ready to come home next week. That's fantastic. If you guys could kind of summarize just what, I don't know, just how God's been using you, even even as recent as the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, Sheila, I'll ask you first, like, what do you what do you feel like God's been, been doing in you, through you? What have you been seeing around you? Um, just give us kind of like, you know, on the ground level, what are we seeing uh, currently? Well, I think it's like it's always been every time we come out on this missionary journey is, the people are so encouraged and I'm not going to say shocked, but in awe that a church all the way over in America would be interested in other countries and small little places that people aren't going to really notice. And when we were in Hungary, that goes all the way back to Carol Porter 20 years ago. And when she passed away, that connection was lost a little bit. And when we showed up, the the woman, Evodia, she was in tears that we would still remember her and that we would come and stand next to her, stand by her, encourage her, do the work with her. So that was it. that's still amazing to me that people are surprised that we would come out and want to be with them, not just, you know, write a letter to them saying we're praying for you or send um, like a video, but that we actually physically stand there. And the gypsy churches in Hungary, they were overwhelmed that we would come. They, they loved that we would take a picture because 
where Pat and I were starting to not remember everybody because there's too many people. So mm-hmm. we would take a picture and say, this will go back to our church and they will remember you. And they all wanted to get into the picture because sometimes I'm uncomfortable taking pictures and I don't want to be like this Facebook post of like, oh, look, we're doing this work here. But they were wanting their pictures taken and for our church to remember them. And they were remembering us. So it's mutual. And that's amazing. It's not just us coming and sharing the love and working with them. They they want to share the love back to our church, telling us, well, we're praying for you too. So that's really amazing to uh, me. Yeah, that's so remarkable. And many people probably don't remember Mark and Carol Porter, or maybe you've never even heard those names, but they served as uh, pastors at VBC for many, many years. And um, they're both, they've both gone on to be with the Lord, but what a, what a great legacy that um, they would go out and <clears throat> Carol would, would uh, have this impact that is still carried on to this day and, and is being re uh, rekindled or reignited now um, through your ministry. Mm-hmm. What, what about you, Pat? What, what are you seeing God, God do? Uh well, like Sheila, it's, it's reinforced again that uh, when we've come this time, that to be uh, in leadership in the church, almost anywhere that, that we are, but especially Poland and what they're dealing with, with um, refugees and hard uh, ground for evangelism, and then down in the, the gypsy community in Romania and southwest Ukraine, and obviously here in Kiev, people are tired and uh, they are tremendously encouraged by people coming and, uh, and just standing with them. They love the fact that we're praying for them. They appreciate, we hear this over and over, we appreciate the money that um, is provided by people in America, but we long for people to be here. Wow. And, and so it's... You know, when Tim Johnson first came back, the first time that he and, and Tim and the group were here and talked about how appreciative people were, it was one thing to hear it, but to, to see it over and over, person after person, is, is amazing. And the other thing, uh, and this was really reinforced in Romania and in southwest Ukraine with the gypsy community, the Hungarian gypsy community. Uh, our mission partners work with ministry you see is 24 seven. That is their life. And it, it just was impressed upon me that sometimes we can, as Christians think, especially if we're in some type of leadership, we come in in the morning at whatever time, mm-hmm. and then we leave at whatever time in the afternoon. And now our ministry is done and the message over and over and walking with these men and women is they get up in the morning, somebody calls and says, I need help with my cow. They're off. They mm-hmm. need a washing machine. They're gone. We're, we're going with people, with these mission partners throughout the day, throughout the week. And there were no office, <laughs> office hours. That's amazing. It is, and, and Yosef, uh, uh, Danko just continually said every time we went somewhere, "This is ministry. This yeah. is ministry. We, we were we washed the car. This is ministry." Uh, so that was impressed on me. Of sometimes I can put my service to the Lord in a box and not realize as I breathe, I'm serving the Lord. So that's wow. that's wow. been something that's really been impressed upon me more here this time. Well, it sounds like just from our correspondence that we've had just in lining up this podcast interview and, and show, you guys are you guys are totally embracing that. I mean, you guys should have heard the, the schedule. You know, Pat's like, I got this and that and then that. And then, you know, what is it, like 10 o'clock at night for you guys right now? Or what is it? It's 1130. 1130. Wow. So, so they're like, you know. But we we're start basically there. the conference. <laughs> yeah. So we're basically the nightcap on a long, long day. Yes. Um, give, give us just a, a real quick overview, Sheila, of kind of what you guys even did today, just so we can get a little flavor of like the day in the life. What'd you guys do? Where'd you, if you can even remember all this stuff you packed in today? Well, one of the things we did today was um, Pastor Anton came and we kind of 
just discussed um, what it would look like for the conference to happen and even like the logistics of everything because we had to go through. And you know what? Yes, we had to go food shopping because I'm going to have 10 men here and guess who's putting all the food together and stuff let, like let, that. let everybody know what the conference is when you reference that. What are you guys planning? What are you- oh, yeah. So um, it's the BUILD uh, Antioch School of Leadership and uh, Church Planning, which our church has been doing for over 10 years that Gary Darnell and um, Jay Scott had brought to the church. And the one of the directors from Ames, Iowa, um, and he's now living in another state, he's coming out to um, take one of the topics and expand on it over the next couple of days with the, uh, the guys and a couple of the girl leaders um, here too. And um, they're going to be coming to our place that we have here, and they're staying here. And um, it just makes it easier. Um, and so that's what I mean by the conference. That but, sounds um, amazing. It was, that was kind of setting that up. And then actually today we spent time with Pastor Anton just kind of going through um, how hard it is for him to be an elder and to be a leader and to be training up the next generation. And then um, I had to put together um, – um, a format for the youth Sunday school that they just started and they don't know how to start implementing the, the concepts of what is a disciple? What does it mean to be part of the church? And the gentlemen that have started going through the training of the Antioch um, school of leadership, um, they're at a little bit at a loss of how to start this. So I've been handed that a little bit and thank goodness for my years being under Barley and all the other leaders from the youth that I can remember a lot of stuff of how we kind of uh, pulled ourselves together to put lessons together. And so I spent the day doing that. And then um, we went off to one of the um, gatherings, one of the, um, the yeah, groups, groups, one of the home groups. And it was a lively discussion. Let me tell wow. you. <laughs> Habits of the heart, uh, Dan, which you remember. Yeah, yeah. that's so awesome. I love it. Yeah. And well, then, you know, there's, there's a lots of um, language translating because a lot of people do speak English, but when they get really into it, they're speaking Ukraine. And you know how people say, we speak fast in America? Oh, no, no, no. Once you're in your language and you're with your people, everybody's talking fast. That's so awesome. Well, we're going to, uh, we're going to, um, you know, kind of wrap this part of the, of the show up and, and really get into our, discussion on Luke chapter 12, but I, I have a feeling that your experiences and your travels and just the missionary journey you're on is going to be woven into the rest of our conversation. But thank you guys so much just for sharing, give us, giving us an update on what you guys have been up to. We're so grateful that you are, um, are, are there doing this work and that we'll get to see you in person very soon. And we have been praying for you guys like crazy. We've been praying for for you in the prayer room. And I know small groups have been praying for you as a staff. We've been lifting you guys up. And so hopefully you guys have felt those prayers and thank you for joining us on the, on the podcast today. Um, Sean, why don't you kind of help us help set the stage for the rest of our time together? Uh, yeah, well, you know, at Valley Bible church, we've been going through the book of Luke for a long time now, (laughs) almost a whole year. And, um, we're currently in chapter 12 and, What's happening right now in chapter 12, you know, Jesus and his disciples and a whole bunch of people, thousands of people, they're following Jesus on the road towards Jerusalem, you know, and we know what he's going there to do. He's going to die for our sins and kick Satan's butt for all eternity, right? Which we're looking forward to that part of Luke. It's going to be great. But um, on the way, he, Jesus is taking every opportunity to continue teaching about his kingdom, about our hearts and our lives as followers, about who he is. And like I said, thousands of people now are following him. And this kind of funny moment happens that we went through on Sunday where Jesus is in the middle of addressing some pretty serious stuff, you know, hypocrisy amongst the Pharisees and worldly ridicule and disfavor and hatred. And then in the middle of that, this man stands up and he says out of nowhere, hey, Jesus, tell my brother to give me my part of the inheritance, you know? And it's very funny out of place when you really think about just that moment. But then Jesus takes that opportunity to address 
something that I think is very pervasive today, especially here in America on this side of the pond, um, which is just a, a, a misplaced perspective and heart when it comes to stuff in contrast to the kingdom, you know? And so instead of getting back to this guy with money advice or inheritance advice, Jesus lays into this guy and the whole crowd listening about, man, stuff isn't your life. Your life is not made up of the abundance of stuff. He tells that parable of the rich, the rich fool who misplaces hope again in stuff. Then Jesus gives that beautiful picture of the birds and the lilies and the grass and just how cared for we really are under our father's provision, you know? So anyways, just a great reminder, especially for me, it was a convicting week for sure. I think a lot of us here in the comfy Bay Area probably did that. Um, but I can't help but look at you guys and just the situation you're in and the people you're serving. And one of the things that came out of this teaching is, you know, having a heart focus on the important things, which is the eternal things, which is the the God things, the people things, that can really protect you from having a heart that's coveting too much the the right here now things, you know, money and stuff and comfort and all that kind of thing. And so I'm just curious from you guys, I mean, I, I can only imagine that a lot of the relationships you've been a part of and conversations you've been a part of have been a lot more focused on the people side and the heart side and the kingdom side than they have been about what their 401ks are like or whatever it is uh, in your ministries. So yeah, tell us a little about how this topic has kind of been seen or revealed in, in your time out there. Well, one of the things that came to mind as I went through this passage and it happens when we come out here is uh, I look at the passage how I read it as somebody from the from the Bay Area, and then I look at it uh, through the eyes of where we are. And when we were in uh, the town of Berehova in southwest Ukraine last week, we got to go to what they would call a gypsy camp. Now, we've been in the tent cities of Oakland, uh, which definitely <laughs> helps prepare you for uh, a gypsy camp here in Ukraine, but they're one-room buildings. And I went in, and there was a bed, and the woman was uh, on the bed who we were going to minister to, take her blood pressure, uh, trade goat's milk for water uh, that, uh, that they do. And there was no place for me to sit. So they grabbed a bucket, uh, a pail, and put the bucket, turned it over, and told me to go ahead and sit. And before I sat, they took a little cloth and put it over so that it would be uh, clean. And I thought about, when I read this, I thought about that and said, what if we were to tell this woman, who in our eyes would have nothing, say, you need to sell everything, you know? And, and the heart of the passage is really what happens next is, she has a, a little wood-burning stove inside the one bedroom, uh, the one room uh, place that she's at, and she makes coffee uh, for me. And, and that's probably all that she has uh, is coffee. And, and she does own a, uh, a goat where she gets the milk from, and, uh, and then they go through the scrap pile or the, the garbage heap to glean anything they can to sell out of that, that's their, their job. And so she's providing for me hospitality. And I think Sean, from your teaching, that's the heart mm. of the, of the passage is when we start to see, you know, I have these things for me, then we're in the wrong direction. And she's looking at things that she has and absolutely many cultures you guys have been in other countries are very outward focused and very hospitable. And they're going to make sure that you feel part of their family and you're going to feel well. And she absolutely did. And, uh, and it, it was just a different way to look at this passage uh, than what I would have read it and how I do typically uh, read it because we get up, we get hung up and we start asking questions like, well, how much do I sell? Does he really mean everything? What, and that's, and we're missing the point because it's, it's about the heart. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it, one of the things that was just um, resounding for me, Sean, after listening was just in Matthew six, where 
where Jesus says, where, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And, you know, you think about people in the world that have less than what we have comparatively. And this example of this woman who is is treating you hospitably, offering to you what little she has. You see clearly that she's not she's not holding on to stuff and resources yes. and wealth and possessions. She is holding on to, to to people, and she wants to she wants to give what she has to be a blessing to you. And what a beautiful picture! And so I know that's something that you know I'm constantly just reminding myself uh, is just you know what what am i clinging to like what what do i really love in my heart is it people resources is it people or resources you know is it is it my is it the stuff that i that i um am saving up and you know to, to buy or is it is it um the people that got into my life and really what it comes down to like you said Sean there's there's things that are going to pass away and there's things that are going to they're going to be part of God's eternal kingdom and if we can use that filter to, um, you know, for where we place our treasure, I think we're, we're getting close to the, to the heart of the passage. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think when you're in situations like where you guys are at, it's, there's more clarity. One of the things we talked about on Sunday is just, man, here in America, especially here in the Bay area, we live in a culture that, we don't just do it. We don't just live a covetous life, but we actually celebrate it. You know, we live in a culture that absolutely idolizes and celebrates a mentality where you're always hungry for more, wanting more and more. We call it capitalism. We call it success or whatever it is. And we look at it and it's like, man, something is broken with the way we're doing life right now. You know, like it's, it's, it's far too easy for us to be way too concerned about our next car being nicer than this car about being able to buy a nicer house or nicer, whatever it is. And it's like, man, Satan has pulled the hood over our eyes and is just robbing our energy and our capacity and our attention from the things that God's asking us to be doing. Right. So for me, I'm like, man, this is like red, red alarm. This is a, a, a problem, you know? Yeah, you know, sure. Sure. that stuff makes you think of, like when we accumulate wealth and items and stuff and resources, it's it's about our comfort, right? I want to feel comfortable. I want to feel warm. I want to sit on a nice chair. I want to sleep in a nice bed. I want to wear this type of clothing. Or, And when we sold our house and we made that decision last year when we came back from our second missionary journey and we just knew there was no reason that we needed to hold on to this space. Um, it, we were good stewards with it. I mean, it, it was a place where other people could find comfort and other people could find a place um, to lay their heads. Um, but when we sold it and we were trying to figure out what to do with all this stuff, we got a locker. And, you know, it was a small locker. And I started saying, oh, I really like this couch. Like, this is a good couch. It took me a really long time to find it. So by the time we got done with, oh, this and oh, that, and I stood there at that locker, I literally turned to Pat and I said, man, I hope I don't find a match and just light this all up because just looking at this locker, this stuff we just shoved in there makes you want to just light it on fire because yeah. we have these two suitcases that we're going to travel. And at the beginning of the year, we were gone for three months and then now about two and a half months. We could live out of these two suitcases. Why do we have all this stuff? But that's not to um, lessen the value of having stuff because right. it's, it says being a good steward, yes. being a good steward of what we are receiving, what we have. And when we came here and everyone kept saying, so where do you live? Like, what do you do? And we just look at each other and we're like, well, we live here right now. We live in Europe right now. What about your home? Where our heart is, is our We're home. We're homeless. <laughs> We're homeless, yeah. And yeah. we are, so our heart is with you, so this is our home. And I can honestly testify to the believing churches, to the believing people that gather, 
Pat and I have never felt strangers, that we were strangers. Mm -hmm. We never felt uncomfortable. And when we were in um, the south of um, Ukraine and we were sitting with the next group of people that we were gathering with the next church, um, and they were in a house because once the war happened, people left the church, and so there's no church building, so they're gathering in homes. And everybody's talking, and they're moving food around because we've just finished doing the Word of God and singing. And one of the women turned, and she had to have seven chairs. like, my gosh, it's like we've always known you, and you're just like a part of the group, and you're sitting here eating and talking with us. And that's, that's a testimony to what do we value? Mm-hmm. We value the unity of the body of Christ. And when unbelievers and those who are on the outside see that unity, they question it. And we have to be good stewards of that unity as well. We have to um, keep that unity is what the scripture tells us. That's amazing. What a beautiful picture. It's not lost on us that somebody needs a house so that we can sleep in a house. (laughs) We're grateful for yeah, exactly. Our daughters and the Perrymans in Livermore, we're, we're, we're grateful that they have uh, houses that we can... So we're coming back. Has anybody got a place yeah, where we exactly. can go for a while until we leave again? Well, and I, and I, I, love, I love it, too, because, I mean, there's two things listening to you talk, right? It's you guys are, are really just being obedient to, to cultivate the right heart of, mm-hmm. that, that, uh, of, of being, being kingdom-minded and you know, prioritizing the things that are important to Jesus and his kingdom. And that looks different for you guys than it does for, for my family and I, than it does for Sean, than it does for all the different people listening. Right. So it's not, remember, it's not about the the particulars. Oh man, I I need to be like Pat and Sheila and sell my house and go to Ukraine, you know, maybe, Uh, but, but it comes down to like, are you cultivating the right type of heart? Because if you are, then the Lord will lead you to what it looks like specifically in your life. You know, that's the first thought. And then the second thought I had was, and I just want to go back to this idea of comfort because um, I think it's a, it's a very human thing to, to long for comfort. And I think the question is, are we, are we putting our, are we, are we seeking that comfort in the right way or in a way that is going to be in rhythm with, with God's heart and the things he's providing for us to, to receive that comfort? Because hearing you guys talk about the unity and the family of God that you've experienced out there in Ukraine, I've experienced very similar things when I've traveled um, you know, to different places and, and just been so amazed at the bond of peace and the unity of the spirit of God and and there's an amazing comfort in that that I think sustains you guys and keeps you keeps you going, even though you're living out of a suitcase and you're homeless. You know, um, the, the 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 man in 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 Luke 12, he's he's seeking comfort as well. Verse 19, he says, "Perfect, I'll lay up all my ample goods, I'll I'll I'll, I'll relax the rest of the years of my life. I'll eat, I'll drink, I'll be married. This is gonna be great. I'll I'll, I'll live a comfortable, easy life." Well, verse 20 comes and God's like, you're, you're, you fool. You're, you're not even going to last one more day to, to experience the, the comfort that you're looking for. And so I, I think just that, um, understanding that God is a good father and as his kids, he promises to keep, to provide for our needs. It might not look like our neighbors. It might not look exactly how we hoped it would, or we not, might not get everything our heart desires in terms of earthly wealth. But there's an amazing comfort in knowing that our Father knows what we need, and He promises to provide for those needs physically, spiritually, relationally. And um, yeah, so I don't know. I think that juxtaposition of like worldly comfort, comfort in, in you know, earthly things that are going to pass away versus comfort in in the father and his kingdom. And yeah. Yeah. Again, two conversations that we've had in the last 24 hours. One was with um, our our friend Anton, who's a leader here in the church. Uh, He was on our teaching team called yesterday for about 20 minutes, just uh, telling a little bit about what, what's going on. He talked about his, his dad, who's a pastor in the communist time, underground church. And one of the things that he says, and he was told by his father, why would you gather all these things 
when the government can just come and take them away. So wow. biblically, we're talking about, you know, our life could end and, and they're all gone. Here in this culture, they're very wary of, well, you don't really own this. The government can come and just take it. And then wow. yesterday, we were sitting with a, a young guy, and and I was just talking with him how I would any of the, the young guys that you know, I've talked with at, at Quest or when I were in the church, we talked about what retirement was going to look like. I'm just like so blind to where he's, he's sitting. And he says, Pat, I don't know what I'm going to do next week. I don't know if I'm going to be conscripted, drafted. And you're talking to me about what my life can look like 20 years from now. <laughs> and, wow. and the concept of living or planning five months down the road was uh, foreign to him. And, and I really had to, to check myself uh, and say, okay, I'm looking at it from this way. He's looking at it this way. Doesn't mean they don't wrestle with these same things, right? But it's a different perspective, and it just helps turn this, this passage uh, a little bit uh, around to look at it from a different perspective. Wow. And also back to where the very beginning where they talk about uh, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me you know, taking somebody else's comfort and making it your comfort, you know, because mm-hmm. I always just think of wealth and, and items as comfort. And again, when we have the proper perspective, which is what, you know, Sean, you had in your notes, is that when we have a proper view of the stuff that we have, because if God is blessing us, then we mm-hmm. should rejoice and we should be honored that, you know, the Lord has given us something, you know, and allowed us to hold something in our lives. Well, when we were in Poland, um, my mom passed away and I flew out to America and I was able to get there um, about three or four days before she passed away. And, um, you know, I had a family member just talking about her stuff and it was really starting to bother me because for three days, what I did was I sat with my mom who, you know, she had dementia, she was dying, and nobody wants to watch somebody dying. It's not, you know, beautiful at all. But I was able to sit there and take those nuggets of, I read John 14 to her, reminding her, the Lord said, if I go away, I will come back for you. We went through our confessions of our faith, what we believed in, what we knew to be true. And I sang the songs that mean her of the hymns that we like. And I had a cup of tea every day because that was what God gave me with my mom, time. And when we would be together and we'd sit down and slow down for a cup of tea, that is what I do here with the women. I'll mm-hmm. say to them, let's let's put on a cup, <laughs> let's put on some water, and let's just sit and have something to drink, and then we'll spend some time talking with each other. And when my mom passed away, this family member was just like, Let's go get everything and go get the jewelry and bring it. And I felt so sick inside. I, I was sickened in my stomach. And I turned to, to this person. I said, you can have it all. I, I, you can have it all. There's only one thing I want. And it's those teacups that we put in her room on a shelf that when she laid in her bed, she can look at. And that family member was like, well, I want that too. And in my heart, I was like, you never wanted those teacups. They're just teacups. They're like broken and cracked and... <laughs> I wanted to be a good steward. And when we saw the list, your mother had made a list of what to give to the daughters and grandkids. I believe what was on that list. And that family member was like, I knew you were going to get that. It was the Irish teapot and a teacup. <laughs> nice. And those were the things I wanted to possess. That's what I want. Because with those items came memories, the memories of cherished time together and sitting together. And that is what we can do with our stuff. That's what we can do with our wealth. Use it to provide time to share with. Like we used money to fly here, right? It costs a lot to come out here, like a lot. But mm-hmm. we were willing to put that money out because we knew we knew from experience those encounters that were going to happen. Yeah. And we knew that the Lord was going to bless it. And he has in our church and the people in our church they have blessed us and shared their wealth with us mm-hmm. to get us here. And so that's where that 
that idea of, and they pulled their stuff together and they shared it together. Yeah. Well, that's so good. And Sean, I wanted to ask you a question. Just if you could just give us some extra insight on a phrase that has been kind of rattled around in my brain and Sheila just brought it up. It's basically in verse 20. So, you know, Jesus is, it's a warning against this type of behavior, right? And he says, so, so, you know, this, this, this man's life was demanded from him and he, and all the, all the wealth that he'd accumulated, he's going to lose. And then verse 21, it says, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And that's the phrase that I've really been thinking about rich toward God, because when I hear Sheila, just your attitude and, and your heart and just the choices that you guys have made as a couple, as a family, um, you know, that's what I, that's what I think of. And I, when I think about the generosity of the people that helped you guys make these choices, that's what I think of rich toward God. But Sean, can you just like shed some light on what does that, what does it mean to be rich toward God? What is Jesus getting at with that? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because it speaks towards something that I've been thinking a lot about, um, which is related to like faithfulness or stewardship. But we'll talk about your thing first. Um, but, you know, I thought some of the things when I read it and I looked up like, oh, what's the Greek of this, you know? And I can't pronounce it, but but pluotio is the Greek for that word rich. And it's 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 an image of like adorning or to be like uh, abundantly furnished in a way. And the imagery is there is like, I'm not going to hold anything back here. It's like, I'm not just going to give to you. I'm going to give everything I possibly can to make you as beautiful as you can be and as furnished as you can be. And like, you are everything, you know? And that image towards God is the same attitude of like, I'm not just going to check the box of, did I do my 10% tie this month in my VBC app? You know what I mean? It's no, I want to have a heart where I am going to give God everything that I can, that he has faithfully given me. Right. And that's why I'm so glad we've, as you've mentioned on this podcast, even like, it's not about the numbers, right? It's not about the percentages. It's not, not about that at all. It's about your heart of like, man, am, am I, do I have that same desire to make God my everything? Not just with money, you know, but with time, energy, my relationships, Everything I'm doing, am I going to live that way where I'm holding nothing back from God? And the call out there from Jesus is like, hey, if you're not this way, then you're the same as this fool, you know? And so I think about that when I'm thinking about, again, I keep talking about American culture, but it's like, how much time and energy do we spend retirement planning and career path planning and all this stuff, which at the end of the day, it comes back to what you guys said earlier. This is really about you being comfortable. It's about our quote unquote rest and merriness and drinking, right? It's not, hey, I want to plan to to be as wise as I came with money and get as much percentage back so that I can use that money to give towards people in need for the kingdom. Like we rarely say stuff like that, right? It's usually a lot more of like, oh, how many dollars will I have in retirement for my pension and social security, yada, yada, yada. So anyways, wow, I've been thinking about that in relation to that, just that desire to give God everything is with just that thought of stewardship and this isn't super directly from the text, but I've just been thinking a lot about like the heart of our father in this whole conversation, you know, of like Jesus tells us parable reminds us that our life is not about stuff and to not be the, that fool that's like planning everything for our own comfort, you know? Um, but then I've just been thinking about the father's role in this and the father can give us anything he wants to give us. Right. I mean, he's sovereign, he's faithful, he's creator but he does it with conditions. He 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 does it in ways that he knows are best for us. And he does it in ways that he wants us to use what he gives us for his kingdom and for his people, right? And so I've just been thinking a lot about my heart as a father. And it's like, well, what would that look like? And and I mentioned James 4 in on Sunday. And James 4 says a phrase that I think is really pointed in this way. Is he's calling people out. And it says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly. You're asking so you can spend it on your own passions. And then right after that, he calls them adulterous and enmity with, with God. And it's like, man, how often do we do that? Well, we ask God for provision and then we spend it on our passions and not for his kingdom. 
And then just goes back to my father thing. It's like, if I was a dad, what do I do with my kid when he asks me for stuff? If Wendy asks me for five bucks for a good purpose and then blows it on candy, the next time she asks, I'd be like, Wendy, y- you dropped the ball. You know, you weren't, and this reminds you of in Luke 16, we're going to get to it eventually. He who's faithful with little be faithful with much. I mean, you're, if you're not faithful with the little you're getting right now, why would I give you much? Right. And again, I'm not like, this is not super directly from the, the, the text. I don't want to get into like any semblance of prosperity gospel type stuff. But the point is, our father yeah, gives right. us things. I know, right? The point is, our father gives <laughs> us things with purpose and intention. If we blow it, yes. if we blow it, then why would he give us more? To also blow that, right? So, anyways, that's I've been thinking about that a lot. That whole stewardship in relation to what you just said, Dan, about being rich towards God. Because I think that's a test of our stewardship: is how we've we been rich towards God with the little we've had. And if so, then yeah, God will probably keep blessing you, like Sheila was talking about, to be able to bless churches abroad and be able to serve people abundantly and all that kind of stuff. But if not, and you sit there wondering why you're not being provided for, it's like, well, I mean, come on now, I'll get off my soapbox now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, dude, that's, that's some, uh, that's some really convicting stuff. And, you know, it, <clears throat> again, it just, for me, it comes back to, you know, what kind of heart are we, are we cultivating? And I don't know, maybe that's something we could even just talk about as we close out. Um, and I'll throw it back to you, Pat and Sheila, but basically what are some things, cause what are some things that you've done? to cultivate this, this type of attitude and, and this heart posture of being rich toward God. And cause I assume, I don't know, this, this whole, this, this kind of bold extreme move that you guys made, you know, this last year, it, it didn't just come out of nowhere. Like this is, this is something that you guys have been sowing into cultivating for a long time. What are some things that, that you guys did as a couple that we might be able to glean from? Well, I think two of the things that um, that continue to come come back as we look at scripture and we look at our lives and what we uh, have what our gifts are and what opportunities God has put before us and what he's prepared us by what we've done in the past uh, one thing is our decisions are driven primarily about what is going to advance the gospel the most for the kingdom. Now, within that, so there's an obedience factor of uh, being obedient to the gospel. And I don't think when we're talking about comfort, within that obedience, I think, you know, we're, comfort is, is fine. We're, we're here, and, I, you know, we're the first ones here, and I looked, and I wanted to have a good pillow to sleep on right <laughs> so i'm here I, I don't have to sleep on a rock you know in in that but but to be obedient for the gospel and then what is going to benefit other people so there's bringing more people into the kingdom and then the, uh, to the believing family what is uh, going to be a benefit to them and so while we're we are going out uh, those are two of the things that are driving factors and and as far as the the house, it's not like we sold the house and gave all the money away. And that's that. But the the point of selling the house was to be unhindered from things while we are being obedient to God. We don't have to worry about uh, grass and and you know all the stuff you know mowing, taking care of the place. That's gone. That is one whole thing we don't have to be concerned. About it's not driving our focus exactly, we're being a distraction, so that was a big point of if we're going to be obedient and it looked like God was opening doors here and we're spending more time away from the house, away from the country. When we are back in the country, we want to be with our family to minister to them, then there's less time to actually be in the, in the house. So that's been some of the thinking behind that, and I will say. Early on in our marriage, we had planned for this time. We had planned for once the children were up and out and they were secure and fine, that we knew that the Lord would open up because we had a heart to go and to minister in a deeper, further way. 
And last year, we left out on this journey. Two weeks after our youngest daughter got married, and she turned around to me, and she legitimately said, okay, you guys can go. I got a husband, so that's amazing and another time when you know we had some missiles come into the country we were in poland by accident you know um we called up the kids because we needed to acknowledge that we're in some dangerous places and i'm telling you the lord is good because he obviously through our marriage and through the way we did our family and the way we did our marriage because once it's us so it was us in the beginning, and then it, we had them, and now it's us again. And my middle daughter, Melissa, said, when I called her up, I said, you know, I'm just acknowledging that, you know, we are by a fighting. And she said, you know, Mom, you and Dad are supposed to be coming home for Christmas. Are you coming? Am I going to see you in heaven? Just tell me which way it's going to go, because I'm okay with it. And that youngest daughter, you know, saying, it's okay, Mom, you know, it's okay if you die in the field. Like, I have a husband. I have sisters who are going to comfort me and i turned to pat and i was like oh my gosh our kids are okay with this dying (laughs) Um, but and i think it's because we were good stewards with the gospel of jesus christ in our family with our children we let them know it mattered to us before they came around and it still matters to us even though they're around, but they're now out doing their own family. And to see that generational being good stewards of the gospel of Jesus Christ being passed on, um, a week after we came to Ukraine, our son-in-law and daughter called us up, and our oldest daughter had just accepted Christ with her father. I mean, yeah, oldest granddaughter um, with her father and our daughter. And it was just, that's, that's being a good steward of the most precious gift, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you one more thing. Here's how the body of God works. And with, with money, with finances, when we were in Gdansk and we were with the church who was gathered together and it was a bunch of leaders from other house churches. And they just said, we just have this, um, we have this stirring in our heart. They took up a collection They gave it to us, and they said, we don't know where you're going to give this, but there's a church you're going to come in contact with, and they're going to need this money. And Pat and I looked at us. I'm like, man, this is like straight out of Acts. Acts 11, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. And then what happened? We came to southern Ukraine weeks later, and we were in that little gypsy church with this little tiny church with these gypsies. And I turned and we looked at each other and he was like, Gab, Pastor Gab, this is true. And when we told him this story, like, they don't know who you are. We didn't know who you are, but God knew who you were. And we gave them an envelope full of cash. And I mean, they're poor. There's no money coming in. I mean, there's nothing. He just wept and he was like, we will pray for you too. And I mean, I was like, oh, great, thanks. (laughs) It's a simple thing, but... Being good stewards of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the best kind of steward. So now the Gdansk Home Church has a picture of the uh, gypsy church from very Ukraine. And the church in very Ukraine has a picture of the home church from Gdansk, Poland. And they're connected uh, through through the body of Christ. It's amazing. And I think, you know, one of the takeaways, just listening to that, whether you're talking about kind of the strategy in your family and raising your kids and and now that the kids are 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 gone and established and really what I hear you say is it's it's a biblical principle that if we want to develop a certain type of heart then we need to need to develop the right type of thinking right the battle is in is in our mind and it's how are we thinking about our life how are we thinking about our stuff how are we thinking about just the the relationships that God has given us. How are we thinking about God and His kingdom? Because if we're if we have the right um, the right frame of mind, the right mindset, if we're if we're sowing into um, biblical truth and we're, we're we're trying to get 
our mind in rhythm with God's mind, then that's going to develop in us God's heart. Do you guys agree? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Well, any what any final you, things uh, before we sign off? Yeah, just uh, you know, a hat tip to the navigators, people that are out there. You know, the topical memory system. One of the one of the uh, scripture memory verses, the Second Corinthians nine seven, and the crux of it is that God loves a cheerful giver, and it talks about what you're talking about, Sean. And it's the heart, and it's so contagious. As we're talking about this, um, I'm I'm so overjoyed in, in hearing uh, just about the heart and and not the the material uh, portion of having it, but how what we have is God's and it's used to bless His people and advance the gospel and the and the church and to see it, um, especially with the people that have relatively to what we know. Uh, is is unbelievable so it's it's just so encouraging to to that and i'm glad that we have the opportunity whether it's through newsletters or talking with people and and like we always say we love to be part of uh, people's home groups to talk about uh, any experiences that we've had Uh, but these things just they're so motivating to help us in our walk of faith with with Christ mm-hmm. as we hear and we see these things and we love to pass them on to other people and hear what's happening in their lives as well. Man. So amazing. Well, Pat and Sheila, so grateful for you guys taking the time. I mean, that's probably midnight for you, right? By this time. So sorry if yeah. keeping you up. Yeah. But our people are going to be I didn't blessed. get my wordle in today. So that's uh, unfortunate. Oh, do you break your streak? Yeah, yeah, I did. Oh, what a sacrifice! But is it Wordle in 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 Ukrainian or is it in English? It's Wordle. <laughs> All right, guys. Dude, I feel love so bad. You. We broke your streak. Oh. we love you dearly. Right, we, love you guys, we can't wait to see you guys here in our building, in our midst. Word on the block is that you're going to be sharing in person at the potluck at the Altamont last Sunday of this month. Be there or be square, everybody. There's a rumor that there will be borscht at the potluck. Wow. I, I love might have borscht. To, I might have to, to pull in a transfer for that. that day. <laughs> <laughs> yes, worship for leader. Transfer. Well, <laughs> we will say, Dovizenia. Dobranos. Dovizenia. Good night. Good night. <laughs> okay. Thanks, beholders, for listening. We love you guys. We'll catch you, catch you on the next one. Toodles. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold. If you would like more information about Valley Bible Church, or if you'd like resources from this episode, go ahead and check out vbc.online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week.